Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Nehemiah and what he's talking about today, about how the righteous will live. And uh, I pray, Lord, that you would um, open these scriptures up, make them come to life. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you'd open our eyes and then you'd open our ears, give us ears to hear. This is such deep stuff. And it's, it's fun stuff. It's good stuff. I pray, Lord, that you would um, let the scriptures have life, Lord, in a way that people have not heard them before. And if they're familiar with the scriptures, I pray, Lord, that you would give them fresh um, uh, vibrations in our soul, that they would affect things that they've not affected before. In Jesus' name. If you agree, can you say amen? Amen. Amen. You guys, this is one of those messages that I promise you that if you allow the Lord to speak to you through them and uh, just just pay attention, this is one of those ones that's not just a let's get a little bit better and let's make a little change. This is one of those things is at the crux of Christianity. It is one of those sermons that could change your life dramatically, dramatically. It could be such an incredible change. And I'm telling you, it's going to be the opposite of what you think. Um, that's what's cool about the Word of God. It's, it's really, it always hits you at a place you don't really understand or think, and God surprises you. Um, but I do believe that the Lord gave me this message, and I know it's because it's coming from His Word. But God really made it clear to me in my own soul, too, for my own sake. Um, this scripture here, and, and this, this is really the question that I want to ask you. And I know kind of what the answers will be from the church, and you'll feel convicted before you leave here. You go, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm righteous or not. But in Nehemiah, he's been building this wall to restore the temple. They've been in slavery for a long period of time. And God brought them back to the place of restoring their city, rebuilding their walls, restoring its temple and its worship so that they could have access to God. And how many appreciate the fact that you have access to God? And it happens through Christ. It doesn't happen through your religious works. You have access to God because what have Jesus has done? The Israelites didn't have a bunch of things that they did, like, you know, guess what we did to the Philistines? And guess what we did, you know, when we were doing evil? We stopped it all. And God said, okay, you stopped it all, so now I'll do something great. No, the grace of God went before them. You're going to see that in the text. I'm going to start at the end of 9 and then move my way into 10. The question here is how do the righteous live? Is that all through the Old Testament, there is these statements that are basically made like this. A people group gets restored by God, and then they, they, get, they see the benefit of it. Then they go before God, and they start to make decrees and covenants of how they're going to keep their vows. This happens all through the Old Testament. And guess what? Christ still had to come. Like if the vows and the commitments were enough, then we should have just stopped right at the end of Malachi, and we should have just said, okay, and that's how you live right. And Christ doesn't come. Let's not have the cross. Let's not have forgiveness of sins. We don't need that. All we need is just to start doing all the right things. And this brings me to the question that's up there. How do the righteous live? And if I asked that question, I went to a lot of churches and I went to religious circles. And I said, how do the righteous live? I'd hear things like, they do good deeds. They do good works. They follow the laws. They obey the rules. Those are the righteous. And where are the unrighteous? 
they're at Draper Penitentiary. <laughs> right? But we, the righteous, we're at church today. And then we're going to donate to the Philippines. So we're the good people. And there's the bad people. They're over there. And I don't want to make a big case of this, but that's how we start to think about the righteous. And God's going to restore the people in Nehemiah, the children of Israel, that have been scattered because of their disobedience. He gathers them together and starts to restore things. There's never a comment in there that he says, oh, look at the Israelites. They are starting to be really amazing. And I'm going to restore Israel because of that. Never. It's not mentioned that. What happens is they get restored, they get put back together, and their response is, gosh, we should repent. Lord, you've been so faithful. We've acted so wickedly. Lord, what a great God you are. How many came to Christ with not much to offer him? And how many have in response said, Lord, I want to bless you. I want to live a life that honors you. How many have said that? Amen. If I again ask the question, how do the righteous live? The answer is going to be a list of the do's and the don'ts. But I'm going to tell you that's not what the New Testament says. The New Testament goes on and on. There are seven or eight books written just for this answer about how the righteous live. How do they live? How should they live? How should, how should they apply themselves? And, and again, if you're religious and you don't know the Lord or you know the Lord's there, but you're kind of just trying to please him, then you're going to give me a list of what you did. Like I, I go to church all the time and I meet people all the time. They go, I'm going to church now. Oh, well... You show God that, and he will definitely let you into heaven. You know, just like, oh, I came to church, man. Right? That is not quite the same thing. How many know what I'm talking about? Right? And you go, oh, man, I quit. I don't, I don't do that anymore. It's been years. Yeah, but now you're a braggart. Right? How many realize sometimes there are more sins than you realize that you have? And doesn't it bug you when God... And aren't you glad that God doesn't show them to you all at once? I remember thinking one time as a young Christian, I could think of two sins that I was doing. And I said to myself, I honestly, I said to myself, if I get rid of those, I'll be almost perfect. And I'm serious. And I worked as hard as I could to get rid of them. And then he showed me two more. And I said, I have to go faster. And the faster I went, I got rid of the next two, and the first two showed up again. <laughs> and uh, seriously, it was kind of like, you know, when you got, you know, rats coming out of the ground, and you block the hole here, and another rat comes out, you block that one, and you only got so many hands, there's only so many plates you can spin. And you start to realize that you actually need God's power. I mean, I can't stand it, but I also appreciate it. As a young Christian, when God started showing my sin, I would go, oh my gosh, I'm like that. I can't believe it. I'm terrible. You know, look at me. And I'd see parts of my personality come out that were just not helpful to other people. And I'd go, oh, Lord, please help me with this. And I go, I can't believe it. I'm so sorry. I'm terrible. You know, and I'd go. And then as I've grown in the Lord, God starts to show me and I say, ah, I see it. Thank you, Lord, for showing me. Now, when in the middle, before I was, God was really showing me this part, what I'd do is I'd go, oh, Lord, I can see it. I can see my weakness. I'll change it. And then guess how that went? Not very well. 
I would change it superficially or I'd avoid the circumstances that would make those attributes of myself come alive. I would change, you know, get a, put myself in a different environment and justify it. I'm fleeing temptation, so this won't make this spark in me. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, you know, I'm not going to lust, so I'll just stay in my closet the whole time. <laughs> Guess what? You have an imagination. How many know you can fantasize if you want to, right? And, and so pretty soon, God's, you start to ask, Lord, give me the same thinking that you're thinking. Like, what are you thinking about this? Like, like, you know, what's your heart behind this? And then the Lord starts to change you from the inside. It becomes supernatural. And it's not like your prayers have to be perfect. God knows what you need before you ask him. Did you know that? How many need to be reminded of that? Come on, he knows what you need before you ask him. Now, the righteous, how do they live? This is a great New Testament question. This is the cornerstone of Christianity. This answer, the answer that I'm going to give you today, it's from the Bible. It's, I promise you it will change your life. But I want you to see, I want to draw a picture from Nehemiah where they've just restored the city. Jody talked about their grand repentance last week, and she equated it to how we should repent in response to God's goodness. And now I'm going to take it a, a, a little bit further, and I'm going to say not only was their repentance grand, but it was response to his kindness. And now how do we actually apply it? And you're going to see that what they do is they're going to list, they're going to make covenants before God. They're going to use a bunch of revelation type words. They're going to say, Lord, we're going to bind in agreement that we're going to do it right. All of us, our kids, everybody. And then they're going to say things like, and we put a seal on and we autograph it. We write it that we will start doing the right things. And I know January is not here, but people will make New Year's resolutions. And, and th- th- maybe you do it for the whole conduct of your life. You say, how I'm going to conduct myself. And you, you sign it and you make this agreement. Well, the whole children of Israel are going to come together. Can I tell you what happened? They didn't do it. The children of Israel did it back when Josiah was king. They did it when David was king. They did it when Rehoboam um, was king. All the way through the Old Testament, they did it. They made these covenants. And when did they ever fulfill it? Can you point a time where you go, that's when they did it, and they kept it. In fact, they kept it so good that by the time Jesus was going to come, the father canceled his trip. (laughs) He said, I know you're going to pay for everyone's sins, but we don't need to. They've learned grand repentance and covenants themselves. They make covenants now. And that's how it is. And I've, and I've done this as a dad. I've done this as a husband where I just said, Lord, I'm going ch- to be the best dad. And I really commit myself to being a great dad. Oh, Lord, I want to be a great dad and I want to be there. And then I see myself fall short. And I've, even, I've, I've come to the Lord on behalf of my family. You know, Lord, I come behalf. We're before you. We want to just totally devote ourselves. And God loves those kinds of prayers. But he also knows they have no power outside of Christ. But when I come in Jesus' name by faith, then it's going to make a difference. The whole New Testament, big chunks are written exactly about this. So I want to paint the dilemma of them. And they're going to do a great job. I love Nehemiah. And I, and I love his devotion. And I love their response to God's goodness. But I would not do a good job with the scripture if I did not point to you the New Testament talks about how the righteous will live. 
And you might be sitting in your chair right now going, I don't know if I could do it, man. How do the righteous can live? Are you going to give me this big list? I'm going to have a terrible lunch. And look at the list. This is how the righteous live. And I'm going to go, yeah, do it or die. <laughs> right? If that were true. So let's look at their dilemma. How many want to hear the answer? I promise you it will change your life. Let's start with Nehemiah. Now, I'm going to give just a little start where Jody started, then I'm going to give the scripture. It says, our, it's chapter 9. You don't need to follow. You can just hear me. Our great God, mighty and awesome, who keeps his covenant of love, do not let all this hardship seem trifling in your eyes. The hardship that has come on us, on our kings and leaders, on our priests and prophets, on our ancestors and all your people, from the days of the king of Assyria till now, we've been in bondage the whole time, Lord. We blew it. And then he says, in all that has happened to us, you have remained righteous. You have acted faithfully, but we acted wickedly. How many can relate to this? Going, this is the response. This is not God going, where are all the righteous people? There they are. And it's me going, right? This isn't it. This is God working on his own grace and mercy and everlasting love. And then he says, look at what Nehemiah says, our kings, our leaders, our priests, our ancestors did not follow your laws, your ways. They did not pay attention to your commands or the statutes that you warned them to keep. Even while they were in the kingdom enjoying your great goodness to them in the spacious and fertile land you gave them, they did not serve you or turn from their evil ways. And he lists the dumb things they did. He says, we're in great distress. Boy, doesn't that describe us? You know, you start to do stupid things and you go, I wonder why I'm in such great distress. Maybe it's their fault. Maybe it's their fault. You know, maybe it's the economy. Maybe it's the president. Maybe it's because Manny Pacquiao lost last night. You know, I don't know what the deal is. Right? But, but maybe, it's, maybe it's us. Maybe we've fallen short. Now, if I just end there, then you're just going to go home in despair. <laughs> I blew it. Welcome to my reality. But I think God has better news. Amen? In view of all this, look at this. Look at their response. I love this noble response, which won't last. In view of all this, we are making a binding agreement. Oh. How many have made agreements with God how you're just going to be the awesome Christian? Did you put it in writing? Oh, yeah. There it is. <laughs> we have got to get that posted on Facebook. I mean, it, it, because we can all relate to this. And the thing is, you put it up there and you go, I'm going to do this. I remember Jody, you know, we were about to get married. And she goes, I don't know if I can marry you. I don't know how organized you are. And I go, look. And I showed her. And it had how to be a visual organizer. And it had all the things, all the months across the year. And I go, look. And she goes, that's two years ago. <laughs> it was one of those, it was two years before. I hadn't written one thing down. <laughs> but I remember going in the store and I go, I'm going to start being organized. Everything in my life is going to be under control. I'm going to go to six success seminars and I'm going to listen to them every day. This is what you do. You set goals. You write set dates and times and all this stuff. Yeah, I'm going to do this. And some people do that and you do not want to know them. <laughs> Right? They pull out their day timers. You got three things. They got 7,000 things by the day. 
at 105, I'm going to say a happy thought. 107, I'm going to smile three times. 109, shoot me in the head. I'm sorry. But watch this. Listen, this is Nehemiah. It's a sincere response. We're going to make a binding agreement. We're going to do this. He goes, in view of all this, we'll put it in writing. Our Levites, our leaders, our priests, we're affixing their seals to it. Put your signet ring in there. Yep, I signed it. In Hebrews, God challenges this. Listen, I can either make a binding agreement with God. Okay? That means I go, okay, God, I'll keep my end of the bargain. And God, okay, goes, okay, I will. Imagine this is God. And I say, God, I promise you I'll do it. I make a binding agreement. I put a seal of my sweat on it. Do you think God's going to hold his end of the bargain? How many say that God will hold his end of the deal? What's the weak link in this? Damien is the weak link. I'm the weak link, amen? I'm the weak link. But what if there was, instead of this old covenant, what if there was a new covenant? What if someone came in my place and made an agreement, a handshake with God, and kept it and kept the agreement on both sides? Not just for the 30 years he was alive, 33 years, but what if he keeps this covenant for eternity? On our behalf. Then the only place that would be safe for me would be in him. And if I was sitting in him, right? I'd be safe in him. And if I did something, I'm not going to be stupid on purpose, but if I was just stupid by stupid, did I get in him? by my great attitude and action or did I get in him by his grace? It is by grace I've been saved through faith and this is not of myself. It is a gift of God. Listen, watch this agreement. You've all made agreements. Let's say you don't believe in God. You've made agreements with yourself and let yourself down. And think how low your standards are with yourself. Right? Right? I have spent so much time. I have prison ministry like crazy. D- different prisoners. And prisoners lower the standard. How you doing? It's pretty, pretty good. You know, you can just see it. You know, you meet the guy. How you doing? How, I'm, I killed somebody. I know. I know you did. But I was never a serial killer. <laughs> Kudos to you. You just go to the next cell and you go, hey, what did you, how you doing? He goes, hey. I know I robbed a lot of people, broke their lives, but I never killed anybody. Wow, you're pretty good. <laughs> All right, just the next guy. Hey, I never stole anything. I may have burglarized a few things that were white collar, but that's it. And finally, you get the little girl who goes, I didn't do anything. <laughs> Shut up, Johnny! <laughs> How many know we're all guilty? We're all guilty. And this is, listen, this is where it brings to, because I want you to see the New Testament language in here, especially Revelation, end times, when God is bringing everything to its conclusion. And he's looking at these seals and commitments, and he's holding people to them. 
you are either going to be hold to your own seal or you're going to be hold into your own scroll, into your own scroll, you know, written document, or you're going to be held to what Christ did for you. The document was ratified. Gosh, oh, can you imagine everything that you committed? And all of a sudden the thing goes, choo, choo, ratified, choo, sealed, bam. One day it's going to open before God. I mean, I, would not, I do not want to stand there when the thing starts to get open. It's like the Lord's eyes look at it, and all of a sudden he looks up at you, and you're like, what are you going to say? I went to the glory concert. Sorry, it's not good enough. I tithed. You're going to point to your works? There's a scripture. I want you to hear this before I get to go move on. In Revelation, there's a scroll of these works, and no one can open it. No one. No one can open it. And John, the apostle who writes the book of Revelation, it's not a revelation of end times. It's the revelation of Jesus. It says, I wept and I wept because no one was found worthy to open the scrolls or look inside. Imagine, he looks at the scrolls of all the works of mankind and he looks through it and no one's worthy to open it. No one can bring life. And then he says, then that one of the elders comes to him and he says, do not weep. And he goes, look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, the descendant, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and the seven seals. I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne. Take note if you're Jehovah Witness. The center of the throne. We are not just Jehovah's Witnesses. We are Jesus' Witnesses. The lamb, and he describes him, he says, sent out of the earth. He took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, which is exactly what we'll do. If you think we're up there playing harps, trust me, when you see the incredible grace of God, which brings you into eternity, you will fall. You cannot help it because you'll see your own stuff and realize it's been covered by someone else. The debt's been paid. And it says, and they sang, it says, the golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy. Lord, you alone are worthy. His written agreement, his handshake, his covenant, his ratification, his binding law. It says, you are worthy to take the scroll, open its seal because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God. How does it feel to be purchased by God for his own glory, for his power and his namesake, from every tribe and language? Listen, let's go back to Nehemiah because I want you to see this. Back to their covenant making. The rest of the people, we're all going to ratify this thing. And he gives a whole list, the daughters and stuff, and then he summarizes at the end. The rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the musicians, the temple servants, all those who separated themselves from the neighboring people for the sake of the law of the Lord, together with their wives and all their sons and daughters who were able to understand. All these now join their fellowship, fellow Israelites, the nobles, and bind themselves with a curse. 
Listen, this is what you're saying. I will do this, Lord. I will be a good churchgoer. I will start doing it. I will go to the meetings and do all the things I need to do. And I'll go to church every Sunday. And that's what I'll do. And I will be a good religious person. And da-da-da-da-da. And I'll get new clothes and look good. Listen, all that you do there, you bind it with a curse. In other words, what you say to God, and if I don't do it, curse me. Is that the binding you want to be in? Or do you want to be in the binding where Christ says, let the consequences be unto me as I have done? In other words, the Father treats me like he treats the Son. That's where we get the word term Christian. I will be in Christ. How many would rather be in Christ? This is why, you know, I've heard people say, why do we talk about the cross? Isn't that an offensive form of death? No, it is the life of salvation. It signifies that I am forgiven and redeemed. This is the power in it. Given through Moses that we're going to obey carefully all the commands, regulations, and decrees of the Lord our God. So, let me ask the question before I get to the answer. How do the righteous live? How do they live? Well, they make binding agreements with God. And they commit themselves. And then they do it right. And they find out what all the regulations are and they memorize it. As Paul says, as far as legalistic righteousness, I was faultless. But yet, he was killing the Christians. How do the righteous live? For I'm not ashamed of... Can you say with me the gospel? Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. For in the gospel, say it with me, in the gospel, in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. It's, a new, it's, it's the New Testament. It's the new covenant. It's that second part of the Bible. It's the new covenant. It's a righteousness from God that's revealed. A righteousness that is, can everyone say, by faith. faith. And by the way, it's by faith through grace. Right? Grace. It's not a faith that's, oh, I'm going to try harder to believe. It's a faith that comes by grace. Listen. From first to last. It's, say it with me, by faith. faith. From first to last. last. It's the whole enchilada. That's where it is, just as it is written. Now, I want to ask you, how do the righteous live? The righteous live how? By faith. By faith. Paul says that the righteous live by faith. He goes, I live my life by faith in the Son of God. I no longer live, but I live in Him. He lives through me. I don't live the life I live. My life's gone. When He was crucified, I'm crucified with Him. I no longer live. There's Eric Van Rie up here, but Eric Van Rie, the old man, is gone. I am now in Christ. I am a new creation. The righteous will live how? The righteous will live how? By faith. By faith. How do you think that first question would have been answered if I asked it at the beginning? How should the righteous live? We'll just take microphones. How do the righteous live? Um, by doing good stuff. Okay, who else? How do the righteous live? Um, you go to church. Make God first. Love him with all your heart. Well, I'm sure you do that. 
I'm sure your heart is so pure. I can tell by the way you worship, the way your eyes close. God looks at that and says, gosh, if I'd have known this, I wouldn't have sent Jesus. Look at those eyelids. It's amazing. They must have come from the glory conference. If I would have known that, I wouldn't have sent Jesus. It's incredible. How many know that this isn't true? Listen, this is what's so... I, I want... This is... And I'm going to go through this really quick. A lot of times people say they have faith. I have faith. Faith in what? Uh, faith in myself. L- listen to a couple of these. You know, I believe in God that I get to define. I, I have faith that I can define God however I want. You know, I have faith in a God that's kind of just all nature. So I have faith. That's not the kind of faith I'm talking about. I'm talking about the faith in the God who is alive. Who has, you don't get to define him. He has defined himself. Can you imagine your kid going up to you? My kid comes up to me and he goes, you're red haired and you're angry all the time and you kick me in the shins. No, I don't. Well, I get to define you because I get to define my reality any way that I want to. No, you don't get to. God gets to define himself. Amen? And thank God he's good. Amen? I believe in a God that knows I'm a good person. Well, then you don't know a God because that God wouldn't know you. How can a God know that you're a good person? Because you're not. (laughs) Right? If there was a God that shows up and he goes to you and he goes, hey, I know you're a good person, then he's an idiot. Correct? Because he has no discernment. All you, if, God, if that God, which is not really a God, it's a little G, but if that God came into my life and said, Eric, you're a really good person, then guess what? He's not God. He's definitely not all-knowing. And, and look at this. Listen, just a couple here. I, some people believe in a Godish value. That's what their faith is. I believe in a sort of a Godish values. Here are the values that the Christians believe. That's why I'm a Christian. Why? Because I do this. I'm pro-marriage. I'm pro- they give all their list of values. And they got whole churches that build huge around all these values. Is that what Christianity is? Getting a set of values and creeds? Because that's what the world thinks we are. The world thinks we're just a set of values. And that we do them and they don't do them. And the drink for penitentiary definitely doesn't do them. But if you talk, go to any talk show, they're like, this is what we do and we're good people. And this guy is really struggling through things, but we're the good people. Really? Now, I believe God loves us and he values us. But I believe that the honest thing is that we have things in our lives that we need to be delivered from. How many say amen? Amen. Some people believe that good things will happen. They believe in God values for their family. Look what the scripture says. This is what it says. If you confess with your mouth, say it with me. Just say, Jesus is Lord. Lord. One more time. Just say, Jesus is Lord. Lord. That's the word there, kurios. It's the translation from the Greek it's from the, the Greek Septuagint. It comes from the word Yahweh, or the four-letter tetragrammatron, for those who are scholars out there. It, it, it takes the God. He, Jesus is the Lord of the Old Testament. Jesus is Lord. And the Father, God, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, say it with me, I will be saved. I will be saved. Say it when they say, Jesus is Lord. Say, God raised him from the dead. dead. Now listen. Listen to me. Let the preacher preach. 
you will be saved. You will be saved. You will be saved. It's because Christ did this for you. This is the incredible good news. This is the gospel. This is what Christianity is. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never die. They'll never die. Listen, we were made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone. Everyone who believes, no matter who we are, for everyone has sinned, or NIV users, all have sinned and fallen short. We've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. But yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. Imagine that our faith is in Christ, and Father God stands in front of eternity and says, I declare them righteous. The righteous will live how? By By what? No, they're going to do good works. They're going to make sure they go to the Bible study. They're going to make sure they smile at the right people. They're always going to be on time to work. They they don't lose their socks. You know what I mean? They recycle. That's our new generation. 30 years ago, we couldn't have cared less about recycling. But now, recycling is the most important virtue in the world. Are you recycling? Yes, I'm taking care of the planet. Can I tell you guys, I love that we take care of our planet, but it's going to burn. It's going to burn. All the copies, you know what I mean? All the, all the, all the things that you think are going to stay, they're going to go. There's only two things going to last. God's word and God's people. So why not take all your life and invest God's word into God's people. Yeah. Amen? amen? How many say amen? amen? Listen, he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. How many need to be freed from the penalty of your sin? Come on. Because, let me ask the question, how will the righteous live? By faith. By faith. Can I tell you, I could have turned this whole scripture up. I could have just turned this totally upside down. And just give you a whole list of all the things that Nehemiah's people did not in light of the New Testament. And it would be improper preaching. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life shedding his blood because it's a payment. Romans 3 continues, This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and didn't punish those who sinned in times past. He could have punished them then. He could have put the judgment on them. But their faith looked forward to the time of Christ. We look back to the time of Christ. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate what? What righteousness? righteousness. Your righteousness? Your incredibleness? He did this to demonstrate his righteousness for he himself is fair and just and he declares sinners to be right see this sinner he's right righteous that's God declaring they're justified by their faith not because they're such great believers because they have faith in what Christ did it's what Christ did is what's the point amen It's not radical faith. 
Let's be great faith people. That's works. <laughs> I hate to tell you, you can twist the words all you want, but that's works. Faith is a gift of God. He declares sinners to be right in his sight when what? When they believe. This is Paul looking back at the Old Testament. Listen, Romans 3.27. Look how Paul, he just continues. Can we boast then? I mean, he basically said, we're saved by grace. I mean, he even makes, in another book, he lists out all the things he's done. He goes, I did this. I was a, totally did the law stuff as much as I could. I did this. In other words, he's saying, if anyone could brag, I could brag. Paul's going, whatever I did was more than you did. Right? And if you think, well, I'm not as good as the other people in the church, you just need to join a small group and hear their testimony. You know what I mean? You just don't know what it is. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? Can everyone say no? No. This is God's answer. Because the righteous shall live how? By By faith. Because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It's based on faith. So we are made right with God through what? And not by obeying the law. No, not. Can we boast? No. Can we brag? No. Did we obey all the law? No. Can we be justified by anything we did? No. Is there anything good in us? Nothing. Not. No. Should I say it a couple more times? What'd you learn at church? No. And you don't think this is good news, but this is good news. This is really good news. Say, the pastor was kind of, he was a little into it. But let me tell you something. It was good news. I found out that I'm accepted by God through Christ. Because the righteous shall live by faith. Listen. James gets the same challenge. Where they're going, hey, but we're doing a bunch of the laws. I mean, doesn't it make more sense? You just do a couple more laws, right? And then you bind, make a binding agreement like Nehemiah and their team did. He did like the Israelites did, and Josiah did, and Rehoboam did, and Samuel did, and all of them did. Just put in a binding agreement, spill a little of your own blood, pour it on there. Where do you think those things like spiritually, things like cutting come from? Cutting comes from seeing your own blood because it's a cry out for covenant. You're spilling your own blood trying to make things right in your life. If I just feel something and cut something, maybe something will happen. Why don't you stop the cutting and accept the blood that's been cut for your sake? How many say amen? Amen. I speak to the darkness. The righteous shall live by faith in Jesus Christ. He is the Lord. Because the darkness has not understood it. This is incredible stuff. Listen what James says. He says, For the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as a person who's broken all the laws. You think, oh, I did it. I did pretty good. I got this one down and this one down and this one down and this one down. Yeah, okay, maybe you got 4,000 down. 4,001 was the important one. I want to show this one part before I get closing here. I've got just a couple more scriptures here. When the Gentiles first become Christians, Peter's up on the roof, and he is not supposed to, as a Jew, to eat unclean animals because they represent the Gentiles. We're unclean. 
And God talks to him while he's on the roof. He goes, go up on the roof. And he sees a bunch of unclean animals. And Christ has already died. So now he's making it clear to Peter. God says to him, I want you to eat. And Peter goes, no, I'm not going to eat. We're not supposed to eat. It's in the law. And he goes, eat. What God has made clean is clean. So, no, they haven't been in a Bible study yet. They haven't attended church regularly yet. He goes, eat. And just as he starts eating in his dream, the door knock on the door. And it's the Gentiles who get saved. And he sees them, and he sees that they have the Spirit of God just like that he got when he put his faith in Christ. And he goes, how did they get the Spirit? Galatians says the same thing. He said, did you receive the Spirit by what you did or by what you believed? Are you now trying to attain your goals with your human effort and just forgetting Christ? It came by grace. And this is what he says. Look what he says up here. The Jews start to get in this big argument. It's a big turning point in the life of the church. Now that the, Jew, the Gentiles are, are becoming Christians, do we make them obey the laws? And look what he says. Why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentiles with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were ever able to bear. We believe that we're all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. He says the same thing in Galatians. He says, when I tried to keep the law, I tried to do it, it condemned me. Because the minute you make this list of what you're going to do to get right with God, the righteous shall live with these rules, the minute you try to do it, it'll condemn you. That's why it says your own words will condemn you. Imagine if your hope's in yourself and not in Christ and you stand before God and you get an echo of every commitment you've ever made. And then you hear, I'm going to do this. And Instead, if you're in Christ, you'll hear the commitments that Jesus made and Jesus says, whatever the Father does, I also do. Everything that he's asked me to do, I've done. Listen, I stopped, I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law can make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. He summarizes it this way. Now that faith has come, we're no longer under the supervision of the law because we have the Spirit of the Lord. Now, this is my last scripture here. Christ has truly set us free. How many say amen? Amen. How many want to put your faith in Christ alone? Listen, Listen to this carefully. Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure you stay free. Let me give you the churchianity conclusion. And don't get tied up by doing all the stupid things again. Start doing all the right things. You know what the law says. You know what the rules say. That's not what he says. He says, and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Don't be tied up with it. Just say it with me. Say, I'm free. I'm free in Christ. Just say it with me. I'm free in Christ. I'm free from the penalty of my sin. It was free to me. 
but it cost Jesus his life. And now I'm forgiven. And I am now the righteous because I'm in Jesus. We use the word Christian. Right? That, listen, you who come from other faiths and you go, oh, well, we're Christians and they're Christians and everybody's a Christian. You're only a Christian if you have your faith in Christ alone. You can't be a Christian and say, Jesus is another good leader. It's faith in Christ alone. Not me and Christ. The two of us are a team. It's Christ, and I'm in him. And I'm righteous because the righteous will live by faith, not by works. That's where the power to change comes. And you'll see your life changed. Let's bow our heads, if you would. Just be honest with God. You don't have to be spectacular here. Just be yourself. Honestly, be yourself. Maybe you don't understand everything I said. That's okay. You don't need to know everything. Father, I thank you for faith. And I thank you, Lord, that it's not just an effort of believing harder or stronger. Lord, then it would just be works again. But you say we're saved by grace, grace, which is first, through faith. And this is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. And I thank you for that. And right now, can you just let the Lord know? In fact, if you have your faith in the Lord, just say, I want my faith in Christ alone. Acknowledge it before God. Just stand with me. Just say, I have my faith in Christ alone. Not myself. Not your ability to hold the future in Christ. You're living by faith. You're living. You don't know how to solve all your problems. Amen? You don't know how to solve them all, but you have your faith in Christ that he did this work for you and he can solve your problems. And I put my faith in you. I put my family in your hands. I put my heart in your hands. Lord, I put my uh, lusts and greed and pride in your hands. I I, I want them to change. I love repentance, Lord, but it's your kindness that leads me there. And Lord, I put my faith in the Son of God. And I thank you for it. I'm going to live by faith. Everyone who's here, who's standing up, you leave here righteous. You are righteous. And now watch what God does in your heart. See if he can't take the standing that you're in of righteousness and translate it to a changed life. You no longer live. You're dead. You've died in Christ. And you're a new creation. Let him live his life through you. Not religious but who you're intended to be. Let him and just put your hope and trust in him. And Lord, that's what we do. We bless you in Jesus' name. How many say amen?